This podcast is an interview with the Liberal Democrat candidate for the 2019 general election in the Hitchin and Harpenden constituency. You can hear the other major party candidates in other podcasts at radioverulam.com slash election. Joining us now is Sam Collins, the Liberal Democrats candidate for Hitchin and Harpenden. Born in south-east London, but having lived in St Ippolitz, a small village just south of Hitchin for the last 13 years, Sam has strong family connections to the area. He joined the Lib Dems in 2016 following the EU referendum result. And in 2018, Sam was elected as district councillor for the Hitchin Highbury Ward. Sam's professional background is as an engineer, technical consultant and writer, and when he has any spare time, he likes to walk in the local countryside, visit antique shops and markets, and indulge his interest in old cars, planes and trains. Sam Collins, welcome. Oh, thanks so much. So, Sam, tell us a little bit about your connection to the area. Well, I mean, I live here, which is a, it's usually a good start for somebody who wants to stand in, in the area. Um, my family, I was, I was doing, you know, the Ancestry.com websites and mm. things like that. I did, I did my family tree in a fit of boredom a few years ago and realised I could trace it. I, I traced it back in this, this immediate area, sort of the North Hearts and Mid-Beds region, going back for about 600 years and then got a bit stuck because I had to go to a church and look at some dusty old books and I'd sort of lost the energy at that point. <laughs> it's quite a varied constituency, isn't it? It absolutely is. It, it, it's a lovely place. I mean, I spend a lot of time driving from end to end of it. And um, you go from Hitchin, which is this sort of brilliant market town with so much on. I mean, I love living just outside Hitchin and spending time there. And you go to Harpenden, which in, it itself has got quite a different feel to it, but it's still a brilliant town. And in between, you've got these beautiful villages, these lovely fields and rolling hills. I mean, to be honest, I... I, I actually say this to Daisy Cooper in St Albans sometimes. I, I, I say you should be jealous of my constituency. It's much nicer than yours. I have to say I love living where I do. It's a brilliant place to be. Now, it's not all roses, though, are, is it? So what are the local key issues that you'd want to address if you became an MP locally? Well, there's two fundamental things for me locally. I think one of the reasons I got involved in politics at local level and now at national level is that I think we don't really have good enough representation for the people in our area and we haven't had for the last two MPs and and I think in local council level in some situations it's it's similar to that and we saw a really good example of that with the Thameslink problems uh, in 2018 which is still ongoing if you live in Harpenden you know you you don't have an adequate train service Hitchin's struggling as well and I just didn't think there was enough being done for those commuters so I got stuck in and tried to help as much as I can and I'm still still working on that. And I think that really showed up a lack of proper local representation in some in some situations. And also, I mean, on a national level, you have Brexit, where you have MPs who are voting in favour of a really hard, damaging Brexit. And the local population really don't want that. It's a Remain constituency, and that's not being represented at, in Parliament. And I just feel that essentially people are being taken for granted by the politicians. And I think that needs to change. And I'd hopefully want to change that. Okay, let's stay locally for a minute. We'll come on to Brexit in a moment. But um, health. So many of your constituents might find themselves on an A&E at Lister Hospital, for example, requires improvement. QE2 is inadequate in Wellin. Uh, Luton and Dunstable, if they're lucky enough to go there, gets a good rating. What do you think about health? Uh, It's it's a massive issue right across the country. It's not just a local issue. I mean, there isn't enough money going into the NHS. And that's something we've been working really hard on as the Liberal Democrats, you know, sticking with our evidence-based policy-making approach. So we talk to the experts and to get them to tell us what needs to be done. 
So we've been talking to the healthcare professionals, we've been talking to the suppliers, we've looked at what needs to be done. And the first thing we need, we know there needs to be a lot of funding going, going into the NHS. So what we're going to do is going to put a penny on the pound on income tax, which will raise about £6 billion per year. And that is just a sticking plaster to solve some of these immediate problems, funding problems we need to do. We also need to merge health and social care because adult social care is, is it's a bit of a drain on the NHS at the moment and it's just a little bit inefficient. So if you've been in those situations, you, you hear about this sort of bed blocking and, and that's not good for anybody. So there's all of these things that need to be resolved. So these little simple things that can be done. And then we just need to put more investment in and put it in in the right way. And, you know, there's a big recruitment shortage, you know, there's a big recruitment problem in the NHS. There's not enough nurses. I think there's something like 40,000 vacancies across the NHS in England. And when you think we've got, you know, again, it's, I have to bring it up, Brexit is, is, one, is a big problem because we are losing, particularly nurses, to, you know, to Europe because we, the, we were recruiting heavily in the European Union and now they don't want to come. And that's causing, making things even worse in the NHS. So one of the things we're going to be doing is going to be staying, obviously staying in the European Union and recruiting heavily from the EU to, to fill those gaps because there are some big gaps in the, in, in the NHS. And on top of that, we need to bring back bursaries for the specialist areas where those nursing shortages are. are, are. It's geographic and subject-led. You know, You've got specialist nurses and we have a big big holes in that situation there. And on top of that, you've got mental health, which is really the, sort of the poor cousin when it comes to the NHS. And actually, we need to raise NHS, uh, NHS funding for mental health. We need to increase the training. We need to work in schools and with the police. And, uh, you know, you need parity of mental health treatment to physical health treatment because actually a quarter of, quarter of the population have a mental health problem at some point in their life. And that's really not being addressed. Three million people are currently being talked to about some sort of... with the, with the mental health professionals. So it's really, really difficult to carry on the way things are. So, yeah, yeah, there's huge okay. problems. OK, you've talked about a penny on tax being a sticking plaster, so that's not it, is it? It's not going to fund all of that. No, it's not. So how are you going to raise tax more? Is that a penny on tax for everybody, that the lowest paid, the highest that's paid? Absolutely everybody pays income tax, penny on the pound. It's an absolutely blanket, and it'll be to fund the NHS. There are some more taxation changes coming, which will I can't give you the full details yet because it's in the manifesto and you'll see when we've got this fully costed manifesto how we're going to pay for things so one of the things we're really proud of and why our manifesto is a little bit later than the others and a little bit quieter than the others is we spend a lot of time with the IFS sort of working out all of the bugs so it's a fully costed manifesto and everybody's going to be able to go and look at the sums and the maths and work out exactly where we're increasing taxes why we're changing things and how we're going to fund things but it's going to need a lot more tax isn't it you're talking about 60 million trees 300,000 new homes a year 80% renewables by 2030. That's going to require substantial amounts of tax. Is the general, I understand it's all in the manifesto, but is the general direction, let's tax the rich and pay for services? No, it's not quite as simple as that. Now, yeah, there is an element of that. We are going to do a bit more taxation of the highest earners, but essentially that is some, they, they can afford it. It's not going to be a huge increase and it's going to be very specific, detailed increase. It's like that penny on the pound for income tax for the NHS, but there's going to be lots of very detailed uh, tax changes that you'll be able to see in, in the manifesto. Mansion tax still there? No, I don't believe it is. I haven't, as I say, I haven't seen the full manifesto yet, but I don't believe it is there. So um, we will have that again. Those details, I can't give you the exclusive on them because I haven't got the full details yet. I was talking to Ed Davey last night and he hasn't given it out yet. But um, okay. one of the things that is really important to point out is there's a £50 billion remain bonus. So by not leaving the European Union, the country 
essentially over the next five years will save £50 billion. So that is a remain bonus. Well, somebody has to be wrong about this, don't they? Because there's the oft-quoted £350 million a week that's coming back. So who's wrong? Well, the three hundred and fifty million pounds per week—I think that's pretty obvious. It's been—it's been so discredited. It's beyond belief. Yeah. And where does this this bonus from not leaving come from? Well, if you think we've been spending—I think it's a billion pounds per week on Brexit, or maybe a billion pounds per month. I forget the excellent. It was on—it was on the news this morning, and I wasn't listening properly. I have to have to admit that. But there is a, we've spent a vast sum of money on Brexit. Just well, we're going around. to stop doing that when we've left anyway, aren't we? So that bonus is there one way or the other. Well, exactly. So, and that's on top of this thirty-nine or thirty-three billion, I think it is, divorce fee, as people call it. So, on top of that, you have this fifty billion remain bonus, and that's because the economy is going to slump after any sort of Brexit. Now, you've you've brought the subject around to Brexit a number of times, so let's address it. Um, you're not representing the majority of the people in this country, are you? No, but I am representing the majority of people in the constituency. Which yes, is but the your first party is not, is it? I mean, you're standing on a platform which is contrary to the views of the majority of people in the UK. How are you going to get elected as a government? Well, how do you know it's contrary to the population of the UK? Well, we know it was contrary to the referendum result. In 2016? Yes. It's 2019. It's a different electorate different people. We don't know what the will of the country is, and a lot more information has come out since. So actually, the fair and equitable thing to do is have a people's vote. Let's see what the the opinion of the country is. Unless, of course, everybody decides to stop Brexit, vote Liberal Democrat, and then we'll just stop Brexit like we promised to. How often should we have referenda? As rarely as possible, in my opinion. I don't think it's a very good way to do government. You're arguing for another one now. Because it's the fair, fair and equitable thing to do. Because we got into this mess because of a referendum which wasn't legally binding and it was conducted with a bit of dodginess going on. And actually, had it been legally binding, the result would have been overturned. I think it was the High Court, Supreme Court, already declared that. Um, So I think it's, it's really important to look at the situation now. So you can't just, I think, unilaterally revoke Brexit, revoke Article 50, because that would be the wrong thing to do without the people having had a say. Even the, you know, opinion polls, opinion polls, right? But even even the the ones that give the greatest sucker to Remainers don't exactly show an overwhelming majority for staying. Why would we, why should we be so keen on the European Union? We're obviously not. Well, the polls have been consistently in favour of Remain for Marginally. Well, yeah, it's 50 50 plus percent consistently. Plus a little bit. But but my point is, why aren't we overwhelmingly in favour of of the European Union? Do you recognise that there is a significant concern in this country about the European Union being subject to their laws and immigration? Yeah, I think there is a concern. Now, immigration is a wider concern, and I don't think actually the immigration concern is anything to do with the European Union particularly. People That's been sort of built up by some populist politicians in a really sort of rather, well, frankly, racist way. And um, But what you have to remember is you've had a decades-long leave campaign, you know, all this nonsense about bendy bananas taking control of our borders, when we actually do have quite a lot of control of our borders. And Well, we can't control migration from the EU, can we? Well, you, you were, there are laws that we weren't using. So, you know, there's, there's, you, hear, you hear this nonsense from, you know, hardcore leavers that someone can come here, sit, you know, from wherever in the EU and just sit down, claim benefits and get all of that. They can't. And also that we do have the ability after, I think it's two years, if they haven't found gainful employment, they can send them back. But we didn't do that. OK, so um, if, let's suppose for a moment, that the Liberal Democrats are elected as the government... Tell us exactly what you're going to do around this whole issue then. Well, we're going to remain in the European Union. That's pretty simple. <laughs> and reform of the European Union? Yeah, absolutely. So if you, if you look at the European Parliament, our party in the European Parliament 
isn't actually called the Liberal Democrats. It's called Renew Europe. And that tells you, I mean, it's a mission statement as well as a party name, because obviously there are issues with the EU. I mean, we're definitely better inside, but it does need reform. It does need a bit more accountability in places. So I do think we can change it for the better. And I think that's really important to do as a pan-European project. The European Union is absolutely fantastic for what it does. It's achieved peace over the last 50, 60 years. It's done a huge amount of great work on the environment, fantastic funding for projects across the 28 states, particularly in the UK. There's an awful lot of positive things that have come out of it. So, yeah, we really need to stay in it, but we do need to change it. But it's, you can't change it from the outside, can you? You have to change it for the inside, and we can make it such a positive force. And actually, one of the thing that, things that we need to change straight away is the EU needs to do a much better marketing job because people aren't really clear enough in the UK what the benefits of the EU are. And it's only since this Brexit situation has come along, people have become more and more aware of the positive elements of the EU, which are, which are manifold. Is the Lib Dem government actually very likely? Right now you're sitting on about 16% in the polls. You need to get sort of 25 to 30% because of the nature of our electoral system in order to even accumulate significant numbers of seats. So, so is it actually at all likely that you are going to form the next government? So you're going from 21 seats to 320-ish, depending on the Irish results. It's a long shot, but it's not impossible, and it's what we've got to go for, And because there is a big shift in the country. I mean, I think you may remember that uh, petition about the Revoke Article 50 petition that came out, and it was the most signed petition in the history of Britain. Over six million people signed it. I think it's still open, and people are still signing it, actually, so I'm not sure what the number got up to. So, yeah, it's, it's possible that we could have a Lib Dem majority government. We could see a situation like 1906, where you had this big liberal surge late in the election campaign, and you had a liberal majority government, and it did a huge amount of good for the country. But wouldn't a liberal uh, government formed of, let's say, 320 uh, MPs, 300 of whom would be new, actually be a bit of a management disaster? 300 of them would have never experienced sitting in Parliament or being an MP before. Yeah, it'd be a challenge, that's for absolutely certain. But I think you're going to see, I mean, 100 and something MPs have stood down at this election before. There's, whatever happens, there's going to be an awful lot of new MPs regardless. And yeah, there's going to be learning to do. I mean, for me myself, I mean, I'm going to have to learn the procedures of the House. You've got this Erskine May you have to trawl through and all of these details. So yeah, it's going to be difficult. But that doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. Just because something's difficult doesn't mean don't do it. And what if that doesn't happen, but you do hold the balance of power? What's your position going to be then? That's a good question. I'm being asked that a lot on the doorstep. Um, It depends on the parliamentary arithmetic. You know, how many Lib Dem MPs are there? How many Conservative MPs? How many Labour MPs? Who's leading those parties? How many Greens, SMPs? It's going to be a little bit of a... We're going to have to wait and see. um, Because a Jeremy Corbyn, Brexiteer, Labour government and a... Boris Johnson, Brexiteer, Conservative government or leaderships of those parties, that's completely untenable. That's completely unacceptable to us as the Liberal Democrats. So we cannot work with either of those two in that current configuration. So you just aim to be obstructive then? Not obstructive, no. Um, That's never what we are. Uh, We want to be progressive. We want to... But you can't be progressive if you're not going to work with someone, can you, if you don't hold the majority? Well, Well, you have to be able to work with people. But it depends on, very much depends on... The le- as I say, the leaderships of those parties, because it could be that those leaderships will change very quickly after the election, and that opens up a whole world of new possibilities. What those possibilities are, I just don't know, because it's very much a hypothetical. All right, Sam, tell us why you and the Liberal Democrats are the best choice for the people of Hitchin and Harpenden. Representation. I mean, that's how I started this, this discussion with, and I feel that if you elect me as the next MP for Hitchin and Harpenden, you'll have somebody who cares about the community, 
I live in the community. I continue to live in the community. I will commute into work every day with the rest of you. So you'll get those train problems addressed or I'll be suffering with the rest of you, not somewhere distant. You'll get someone who listens and cares. That's the big difference. You know, you don't have some distant MP who's sometimes around and doesn't reply to you. I always reply personally to everybody. You have some, you know, it's all about that involvement, that localism. And on top of that, it's just, if you look at our policy, our policy is so much more aligned with what the people in our area want. I mean, if you just ask them on the doorstep, this is what this is what the Liberal Democrats will deliver. We'll deliver effective government. We'll deliver localism. We will give, hopefully get a fairer voting system so you don't have this tactical voting nonsense going on, which is essential in this election, but we need a fairer voting system so you have better representation. And that's the real thing. We have to represent the people of our area. And, you know, stopping Brexit is top of people's agenda, and that's what we're all about. And then we just want to get on and build this brighter future for the whole country. Sam Collins, Liberal Democrat candidate for Hitchin and Harpenden constituency, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. You can find more Radio Verulam podcasts at radioverulam.com slash podcast and support our podcasts at radioverulam.com slash donate.